0: Say, so, yeah, I'm just, um, just pray with me some more, Father. We thank you that you're that you're here with us. We thank you that you have plans. I ask you, Lord. To grant an anointing of strength on your body in this place today, Lord. We're asking for your strength. We're asking that you're you're pouring out a, a strength in us that is uh, that is far beyond the challenges of this world, far beyond um, illness, political attack, everything that comes against your purposes. We are asking for for the strength of the Holy Spirit to be poured out in fresh anointing, even in what we, what we do this morning. I thank you for the strength I sensed you pouring out even as we worshiped you this morning. And I ask that this would just be a time of, of a flow of more and more anointing, even as we focus and look at you from, from the word, and we just, we just ask you to let us know you better. I ask that an anointing of strength is pouring out in the authority of your name from the courts of heaven. And we thank you. In faith, we just want to thank you right now that you, are, you have and you are, and you're going to continue to answer that prayer. Thank you, Lord, for being here. Amen. Um, Do you know, uh, so this, even as I was just praying, this was coming to my mind. Do you know that um, the teachings of the Lord are not your strength? <laughs> I heard a lot of really solid rights. Most of you know exactly what I just said, but just in case for some in here, we're just going to say, um, the teachings of the Lord, even, even the Bible that you carry around with you, that you study, hopefully spend time sti- time in studying to show yourself approved and everything. And the teachings you'll find there, those are not your strength. Why would I say that? What's your strength? The joy of the Lord. I like that. That wasn't even where I was going, but that's true. That's in here. She knows that because she studied to show herself approved. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of David, where he says, um, "The Lord is my strength." So it's the presence of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. What? Because we're in His presence. It's, it's the Lord himself. It's not anything, anything that he taught. It's not any magical thing that he gave. The magical thing that he gave is himself and the invitation to be a disciple of his. That's it. <laughs> um, we're in a series now, uh, mostly because the Lord drove me nuts. So we're in this series now until I until I would go into this series looking at being a disciple of Jesus. One of the most audacious things he's ever led me, in my opinion anyway, he's ever led me to say was um, either last week or a few weeks ago, I talked about being able to be saved but not really living as a disciple. And you see examples all in the scripture. People who have fire insurance and, um, and yet are not releasing the kingdom of God, fulfilling the destiny because, um, because Jesus' invitation was follow me, right? In fact, we read one of those stories, and I'm, I'm going to jump back into what's on my heart for today by going back to something we read, Luke 18, if you want to turn there. Luke 18, we're going to start in verse 18 again, and it's the same story we read. It's the ruler. It's the ruler that Jesus has this encounter with. And uh, and starting in verse 18 says, now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what's he asking for? Good teacher, what do I do to get my fire insurance? Isn't that right? He does at this point in the story, y'all know, because we already taught on this, he's not thinking, he's not standing there thinking. This man, Jesus, standing in front of me is is the eternal life. (laughs) He's he's looking for how do I earn or what do I do. Please tell me the check boxes to get into eternal life, right? And Jesus, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. I'm not going to visit that one again. Go to verse 20. And then Jesus meets him where he's at, right? He says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. What's he do? Jesus meets him where he's at, right? He goes ahead and begins to talk to him about the check boxes for eternal life. Essentially, now listen to me, essentially validating the man's search. In other words, Jesus is saying, you're cool, because Jesus knows where his heart is at. Um, Verse 21, and he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. That's the ruler's response. He's like, um, I am cool. Good. And he is, right? He is. And then verse 22. So when Jesus heard these things, heard what? the response coming out, the response that he knew because God knows the heart. He says, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then he says, and come follow me. So look, Jesus, um, here's what I want to show you this week before we, before we go into the new stuff, okay? I want to tell you that um, I'm absolutely certain that Jesus is just stating a fact when he says that. Are you following me? He says, um, "He says you still lack one thing. Now look, I think normally we look at this story, and I'm with you in this. Normally I think we look at this story and we think Jesus is trying to impress or force him. Um, force is a strong word. Even to persuade this guy into a deep discipleship following him relationship. And we think, The the guy rejects it. And I'm just going to tell you, if you look closely at this story and many others, but for now, this one, Jesus is merely stating a fact. He knows exactly where this guy is. (laughs) That's why he started with, let's talk about the check boxes. You're asking how to earn or how to do your way. To um, to eternal life, and you're asking, and I'm, I'm going to talk with you about the check boxes. When he moves on to to what, what's follow me? It's the simplest definition for discipleship. Come follow me, and and this man does not see this as a privilege, and we're going to talk about this this morning. He doesn't see that as an honor. Really, all he wanted to know was how to do the check boxes, and Jesus knew that. And I think he's just stating a fact. He's not trying to persuade the man to instantaneously become a disciple on the spot. He, by, the, by the power of the Spirit of God, he already knows the place that the man is. And he's stating a fact. You lack one thing. Now, I'm just going to challenge before we even jump in. I'm just going to give... <laughs> no, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm just going to do it. I believe that we all have places in our life where we are him. We are this ruler. Are we good? Are we loved? Can we be separated from the love of God? Can we be removed from the grace of Christ? No. But we do have places where um, you could state the fact we lack one thing in that area of our life, and maybe the whole thing sometimes I've had very fallen seasons where you might have said that about the whole thing. But I think we all struggle. There's one thing. You lack one thing. The life of a disciple, one, who's, one who follows hard after, one who has no other priority besides. In fact, I don't know. No, I'm not going to do that. Go to, um, <laughs> unless I change my mind, and I do. Um, go to Mark chapter 1. I want to show you some guys that had a different response, and we're just warming up. This is the, pre, the pre-workout warm-up. <laughs> Mark chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 16. So now here's the thing. One thing the scriptures record for us as we look at Jesus is, um, is how different people respond to him and Why? Okay, So we just saw a guy, and I didn't read that part. I probably should have. He went away sad. Why? He's very rich. He had competing values. He had competing priorities in his life. He didn't see the privilege. The privilege was not immediately dropping everything and following Jesus. He had other things that instead of the invitation to come and follow, um, he just couldn't it made him sad and Jesus knew what that response would be. I want you to see these guys um, read with me uh, Mark chapter 1 verse 16 it says and as he walked this is Jesus as he walked by the sea of Galilee he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them follow me. Now I just want you to notice that it's it's the same invitation. What Jesus really wants is disciples. The Great Commission was go make disciples because he wants that relationship, right? So same thing. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. So now, now listen, you're seeing the opposite. Uh, opposite, that might be too strong. You're seeing a very different response to Jesus. Okay? I, um, I want you to picture... Um, I want you to make this reality with me, okay? So notice these guys are on their jobs. That's what they do. They're quitting their jobs to go be a disciple. Some of them are working for their father, which was probably true of all of them. It's specifically recorded that some of them were because that's how their culture was. And you can imagine that it's very childlike. I might even say childish. Let's go ahead and do it. Behavior. Can you imagine the response of the, like what the father was thinking? And what was it that made these guys go immediately? Like, good enough for me, I'm leaving the boat, right? What was it? I want to tell you, first of all, um, if, you know, if you look at historical context, part of it was, this, this was in Galilee, they were Galileans, which, which was a, a place that was specifically, it was um, very devout, they were, they were seekers, they were hard after the Lord in, in, in their own ways, and so they would have been, and we're going to talk about this this morning, they would have been very in touch with how the rabbis of their time were they would have understood it as a great and incredible privilege, one of the highest honor to be invited by a great rabbi to be a disciple, kind of like we would think of getting in the best college. So it sort of explains their immediate response. Um, I don't think it explains it completely, although let, let me go on, let me say this one more thing. So they start in a childlike faith, right? Right? They start by just, go, by just not knowing much about where this road leads and just, just falling into it, just getting out of the boat and going. Um, you know that before this road is over, and we all know it because we've read their stories, at least some of it, as it's recorded in the Bible, we've read their stories that before it's over, they're going to have to be the violent men. They're gonna to have to be the one and what what is that? The kingdom of heaven is advanced by violent men. There's force against the kingdom. We've talked about this right now. They the entry, the invitation is moving in as a child and to, to just to get into the river, to become a disciple who follows is childlike behavior. In fact, he says it's the only way you receive the kingdom of God. Enter and begin to follow. Now we also know that before it's done, the advancing of the kingdom is by violence, is by force. And these guys, we all know, these guys are going to be before this is done, and what is this is what I'm trying to say. The violence, the force, is a violently following after. You understand he never had them take up arms. He never had them actually be violent. What was violent? The violence is despite the force against being a committed disciple, they violently held it as the highest priority and followed even when Jesus went way off on the weird scale <laughs> we're going to read some of those before this series is over and, and look at like how, how He is that way with us. Anybody know Jesus goes way off on the weird scale sometimes? <laughs> Doesn't always do it the way I would do it. <laughs> Where are we going?) <clears throat> Okay, now I need to tell you something about, um, let me go all the way back for a minute. Um, This series, we're doing this because Jesus impressed on me that even those of us who know him really well are deeply in love with him and walk with him. We often miss him. His actual activity, his actual love, his actual voice in our days, and this is why: because we still have some preconceptions, just like anybody in your life that you're getting to know. We have some preconceptions that are that are a thief that that steal an intimacy that is what that is the intimacy and and the power and the authority of walking with him gets stolen because we miss him due to our preconceptions. He. Put that on my heart, and it just as I was praying for this church and, and, and myself, believe me, I'm included, <laughs> and I it, it caused me to begin to grieve. So, we're in this series to look at who he actually is, so that things that cause us to go, Well, that can't possibly be the Lord. Um, we're about to find out that a lot of the things we write off are him and his voice, and we fail to go along. We fail to keep following because of the preconceptions we carry. I'm so glad I got a couple of quiet amens, or I would have really felt lonely after saying that. (laughs) So go to Mark 11 with me. Verse 24. Verse 24. Oh, and this is why I'm about to tell you about the rabbi Jesus. Okay, you do understand he, he was, is, and always will be a real guy. And he hasn't changed any from when he walked his earthly ministry. The only thing that's changed is he's finished that work, and now he's on to the next season the father has for him, sitting at, the right, sitting at his father's right hand with all authority in heaven and earth. That's, that's the only difference. He is still, he is still the rabbi. <laughs> he is still the same guy. Now I want to tell you about their their rabbinical system because we're about to read a story on um, on Jesus being questioned about his authority. And there's some cultural stuff that just opens the doors so we can we can get acquainted with aspects of the real of Jesus that we may not know. So in their system, you you know places where it says he taught. They were amazed because he taught as one with authority. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's two aspects to that. One um, we often don't know very much about. Um, One is... It worked like this. So their rabbis were were the great teachers, right? They were the ones, and we talked last week, you would follow a rabbi, um, not because you wanted to learn things from them, and that's where we started this morning. The teachings of Jesus are not your strength. Jesus is your strength, Um, and that's how they viewed the rabbis. Now, there were levels to rabbis. As they moved up through the through the system, as they became greater and greater in their authority as a rabbi, um, they would say a rabbi who was said to have been authorized was a rabbi who could make a new interpretation of the Torah, of the law. The Bible that they had, the word of God. You got it? So there were rabbis who could pass on the teachings of other rabbis and they were not said to be um, teaching as one with authority. One who taught as one with authority would be a rabbi who, who had reached such a stature in their teaching that now they were ones who would be looked to for new interpretations. Does that make sense? Okay, now that you know that, I want you to read this um, story with me. Jesus took that to a whole new level, and we'll, we'll, we'll see that <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> All right, so Mark 11, uh, verse 27, and here's where it gets good. Put your seatbelts on. It says, Then they came again to Jerusalem, and as, as he, speaking of Jesus, was walking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do these things. Now now, notice something with me. They would have very well been acquainted to the different interpretation thing that we just talked about, the ability to take the word of God and offer something new. But I want you to notice these words. These words say, by what authority are you doing these things? So this, um, we're going to look at interpretations, I think, today or soon at least. Um, but this is taking it a step further to the things that Jesus is, Jesus was doing. Are you following me? Now, some of those things were probably reinterpreting the law in ways that the Pharisees didn't like. And let me tell you how that was. This is so important. The way Pharisees gained notoriety, we know this historically, was they would keep compounding more and more and more regulations, laws, and rules... So that their disciples were more, were more um, lofty and, and just on this holier plateau that no one else could do what they were doing. No one else could follow these rules and regulations that would become so heavy and burdensome. And that's how they would achieve for themselves becoming a rabbi that was of, of a certain stature that they were as one with authority. And we're going to look at this. This is really, just hear this. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here. Listen, Jesus (laughs) gained this authority in a whole nother way, okay? Oh, yeah. Did he show up with a new interpretation? A new way (laughs) of looking at what they'd been doing? You bet. But it was the things that he did, that, that the authority in his teaching that actually brought the kingdom of God, the love of the Father, actually... In people's lives that that gate that brought the notoriety to him, and he was the opposite. This is where we're going to end. I'm going to tell you now. He was the rabbi who who rose to the top by the will of the father because um, because of uh, the opposite approach. He said, "My yoke is easy." Unheard of. <laughs> I mean, we read that and we just we just kind of think, "Oh, thank God, Jesus's yoke is easy." I'm so glad it's easy. But you see, they understood he was, that was equal and opposite the entire culture and everything they were doing. To become an authorized rabbi in their lives, one who was as one with authority, and he did it by, by fulfilling the law, stripping off the entire yoke. You see, what they had, every rabbi had what was called the yoke of the Torah. Each rabbi had their own sort of version of it. <laughs> and the more notorious they were, the harder it was to follow the yoke of that, the yoke of the Torah that was with that particular rabbi. You follow? And then Jesus comes along and says, "My yoke is easy." Nuts. <laughs> it's a bomb in their system. But now watch what, watch what we do here. I'm going to move here, verse 29. But Jesus answered and said to them, uh, remember, they're asking, where do you get this authority? And he said, but Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you a question, then answer me. And I, (laughs) I love that, then answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. And he says, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? And if we say from men, they feared the people, for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. So they answered and said to Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus answered and said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So what were they really concerned about? Did they really want to know the source of the authority? No, they, what did they really want to do? They really wanted to trip him up. They really wanted to just debunk the authority in his ministry, right? And you've seen that before. Um, I want to tell you, this is what I want to tell you. Did, did his question come back as John the Baptist? What was that? Was he doing the same thing they do? Was he just coming up with a random question where he was going to trip them up and prove his authority? Um, Let's see, I could ask him the John the Baptist thing. That'll trip him up. Is that what he was doing? I'm going to tell you, it's very intentional. There's a very specific reason that it's John the Baptist that he brings up at this point. And understanding this, will be, it begins to move us in a series where we can know Jesus better. We can go deeper places with him. And I'm going to show you why. Look, what was the message of John the Baptist? Repent. For the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is upon us. Okay? So now listen. When he said, in other words, what is he asking? I'm going to ask you a question and then you're going to answer me. By, by um, the baptism of John, in other words, the, the message of that baptism was, um, what does he say? Was it from heaven or from men? You have to understand what the message of that baptism was. First of all, it was repent, which is, which is not just be really sorry for your junk. That's turning from one system, from one teaching, one way of doing things, to, to a different mindset, to a different teaching, a different kingdom, a different way of doing things. Repent is turn. The English roots there are actually re re is again, and pent is like the highest place. So return to the highest place is what it means. Turn and go that way, okay? So repent, but for the kingdom of heaven is upon you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The prerequisite to following Jesus, and I, I just believe one of the greatest challenges, heartaches, attacks against the church today is a lack of belief that the kingdom is at hand. And it's prerequisite to following Jesus. It's a waste of your time, and in fact, you'll find out you just you really cannot even follow Jesus unless first and foremost, right at the beginning of this process, is a belief that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was preached even before Jesus began to teach. It was the one who prepared the way for Jesus, even before him was saying the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand because by, by the leading of the Holy Spirit he was preparing for Jesus' ministry <laughs> and to him he knew by the power of the Holy Spirit that it meant the kingdom of heaven was at hand what was the second part of uh, John the Baptist message there wasn't it and this is the guy. (laughs) There's really two things. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and the other part is, and this is the one. This is the kingdom of heaven. Here he is. The two things that you must know to feel the privilege of being a disciple such that you have no other priority or value that could possibly be as high and immediately follow Jesus without hindrance. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's available. It's within reach. That's what the the original language means. At hand literally means it's within reach. You can reach out and grab it. It's that close, and that Jesus is the guy. You know, when you're confronted by Jesus' invitation, both the ruler we read about who kind of had one experience, the disciples who immediately left everything and had, had no other higher value and said, we're going to do that, we're going to be his disciple, there, there, are, there are two responses, and I really believe this. I really believe you see it in the word of God. It's absolutely clear. There's no neutral. There's nothing in between. There's being offended and there's being drawn to the captivating love that you just have to follow no matter where he goes, no matter what kind of hardship, craziness, what kind of weird scale, what kind of words he speaks into your life that that are just nuts and crazy. The love will not let you not... Not continue to keep drawing after, and I'll tell you something, it's still offensive <laughs> and um just permit me this one. It's still offensive for you and and me it when we're when we when we're perfect because we see him as he is, and we're made exactly like him. Then all offense will be removed, but we're we are still struggling daily for where we have offense to following him <laughs> this can't be him following it following you into this stuff <laughs> I was told you were loving how can we how can I be following you and we're going here. <laughs> Right? How much do you read that? How much have you lived that? How much do you know that? And yet, I still think we still are battling against our own offenses of Him that make it hard to follow, that are a priority other than Him that blows up the intimacy and resolve of following the life of a disciple. Far too much in our life we go away sad. Something is said, and we either write it off as that wasn't him. And by said, I mean it was spoken. It was life-breathed word, okay? It was spoken, and, and we either write it off as not him because our preconception doesn't allow it to be him. That can't be him. This thing that's happening and that is, that is tearing my life apart or that is doing this or that or it's like this, that, that his work in this cannot be him. And we, we write off, even though we read about it, Where'd that Bible go? Even though we read about it in here, we read about the places he takes these guys. He has them follow him through it. Go to um, go to Luke eighteen, and I want to start there at verse twenty four. This is, um, this is a scripture on priority, on value, and how it operates in our life. And here in verse 24, it says, And when Jesus saw that, he became very sorrowful and said, Now, let me tell you where we're at. We're back to the story where he's talking um, with this ruler who went away sad.'" and he begins to you because they're following him they have the privilege of getting to participate in insight in what's going on in 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 actual physical real life in the midst of the spiritual reality it's because they're following him they get these privileged words verse 24 let me just start again and when and when Jesus saw that the guy going off sorrowful he became very sorrowful he said how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, "Who then can be saved?" But Jesus said, "The things which are impossible with men are possible with God." Amen. Then Peter said, "See, we have, um, see, we have left all and followed you." <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. Um, verse 29, so he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there um, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Now listen, I've heard this is probably one of those passages that's the most taught out of out there and I'm pretty sure that almost every single time we get it wrong. This passage is used to to illustrate how you have to leave all your family and you have to sell everything you have and and you have to decide that that wealth and riches are evil and that having having good food is um it's Gnosticism really the way this is usually interpreted from Gnosticism instead of what we actually know about Jesus. So what is this? This is What is riches? Let's ask that. In this case, in this particular example, it literally is talking about money, is it not? This guy was very rich. I mean, he really did have, and it's probably um, one of the greatest hindrances in, in the West, in this nation, um, because for the most part, we really are very rich. Even our poor <laughs> are richer than most places in the world but that is not that is not the point of this scripture. I want to tell you something. It's not that you it's not that he wants you to forsake parents, brothers or it's this is talking about any riches that are richer or that that offer more value than following him. You have to remember the context of this story. It was this guy who came and said, and said please tell me the check boxes, <laughs> the religious things that I can do. Please give me the prescription to earn for myself eternal life. In that context, he says these words. And so, I mean, I got to put out there, what, were, what would the riches of a Pharisee be? What would be their hindrance? Knowledge, knowledge. Knowledge, law, okay? I want to tell you that those are the riches of these words of Jesus for a Pharisee. (laughs) Do you know that um, everybody wanted the same thing in the story? Everyone, no matter what response they came to, to Jesus, everyone wanted the same thing. Do you know the sorcerers? There are stories of the exorcists. I guess this would be the book of acts um, that would come and say you know show us how you do what you do and they were or they were trying to cast demons in jesus' name and what were their riches what was that Recognition, power, yeah. So I mean, the riches that were the hindrance of coming into relation, coming into a discipleship relationship with Jesus was actually wanting to have the powers and abilities that Jesus had. You know, we still have that problem. <laughs> Do you know that the a, a good definite? So listen, the, Jesus was really harsh with the Pharisees, right? Do you know that sorcery is really just using religion or prescriptions in order to in, in order to um, utilize the power of God for purposes. <laughs> That's sorcery. I would say even what the Pharisees were doing, I mean you won't f- see where the scriptures say this, but but when you when you study into the depths of things, the, the Pharisees, it was a form of sorcery what they were doing. It was wanting to utilize religious prescriptions and ways to do things instead of being in relationship with the living God to have what, what he wants to give as a gift out of the kingdom of heaven for his glory and for the fulfillment of your destiny. Yes, he loves you that much. And this series is going there. You do have destiny in your following him. But we also operate in a lot of... uh just, um, I'm just going to put it out there, a lot of what smacks of sorcery. <laughs> you see, the kingdom of heaven is entered like a child, but violently and forcefully kept and um, There it is, violently, forcefully kept. What does that mean? That's a violently, forcefully being a disciple. Forcefully following Jesus, even though the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, even though there is a force against our following Jesus. It's why the church is able to fall asleep for decades like it's done in this nation for the most part, because there's a force against it, and following Jesus is the most treacherous thing you're ever going to do, truly following. It's easy to be saved and be religious. It's really treacherous to follow Jesus, and all the blessing is there. So I told you, um, we're going to start moving towards the Lord's Supper now. You don't have to come up yet. Um, I told you that authority for a rabbi, who Jesus is, um, was having new interpretation. Now I want to read you the scripture we talked about. I want you to go Matthew 11. In fact, are we already in that? Go to Matthew eleven. We'll start in verse twenty five, and these are these are the the culturally the the um, the words that blow away everything in their culture of the time. You talk about a, someone having the authority to give a new interpretation of the word of God. Jesus says here, verse 25, at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. In fact, I can't help myself. I have to stop there. You know, we've, um, I've been saying this, we've lost the awe and the honor and the privilege of having your name called. By Jesus that the invitation to come and follow we've lost the awe and part of what we've lost is it is the disciples of Jesus we're gonna see this a lot more before this series is over it's just burning on my heart but the privilege the honor of following Jesus is that you are of those who get the inside scoop In fact, I always get, I get very concerned when I enter a season where I, I don't feel like I know what's going on in the spiritual realm. Or I'm, I'm, I'm dry. It's like his voice is absent from me. Nothing concerns me more. It, um, that'll cause me to lose sleep before anything else when I feel like the, the, the voice of Jesus is distant. Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I can't quite sense what this is about. Very disturbing to me anybody else you see because being a disciple is the one he's always taking them aside he's always saying yeah it's not for them to know or but but it is for you to know um, i'm not going to explain this to them but i am i i will explain this to you do you follow me that is the privilege of following jesus in other words listen church i'm describing for you what is normal <laughs> there would be no such thing as a disciple of a rabbi in, the, in their time, where the rabbi would be unwilling to explain or unwilling to have them be the privileged ones, the little circle to explain everything he just did or everything he's about to do. That was a little off the rails. Um, verse 26. It is my prayer that by the end of this series we're We are going to have a restoration of of privilege and awe that is life-changing that will cause us to to live this differently than we are today. It's my prayer for myself. It's my prayer for you. Verse 26, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight, Verse 27, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And here it is. He blows it all apart. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He turned it upside down. (laughs) It's the most honored invitation of any rabbi ever. God himself turned it upside down, fulfilled the law, do you know what they meant by fulfill the law? I have to put this out there. Fulfilling the law um, in their culture. Fulfilling the law was teaching it so well or teaching it so correctly that, that people could actually fulfill the whole thing with their behavior. That's what the word fulfill meant in their culture when they said fulfill the law. It was To fulfill it, was to teach it so perfectly that you could do it perfectly. Of course, we know the entire story tells us that um, we can't do it perfectly. That's the whole thing, right? But by the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ covering, there's no doing it perfectly. And in fact, Jesus came and fulfilled it a whole new way. It was by the spilling of his blood for us so that it is already fulfilled. In other words, how did he teach? He taught as one with authority. He taught as one who completely fulfilled it for you. (laughs) His teaching was his life, as is true with a rabbi, and it was the pouring out of blood that covers you and the filling of the Holy Spirit that empowers you that, that was the fulfilling of the law. It was all his work. That fulfilled it. Other rabbis were trying. Their idea was they were trying to teach it so perfectly that you could go out and then behave it perfectly. You follow? He blew it all up. You talk about an easy yoke. You talk about a privilege. Go ask him about the check boxes, and he'll say you, you lack one thing. That's that's great. Go do the check boxes if it makes you happy. <laughs> If the religious prescriptions and doing the right things make you feel warm and fuzzy, go check the boxes. But you'll still, you will still lack one thing. And I want to tell you something. The violence that apprehends the kingdom of God and brings it to bear so that the will of heaven is done in this place as it is in heaven, the violence that apprehends that is a love for Jesus, is a priority for following him that has no competing value has no competing priority is what discipleship is. That's that's what disciples did. There was no such thing as keeping your job and being a disciple of a rabbi. I'm not telling you to go, everybody go quit your jobs. Um, But competing priority, anything that gets in the way of utter following is theft of the kingdom of God from you. It is theft of your intimate relationship with him, which is everything. I invite you to be be wealthy, have great jobs. <laughs> he made this life as a gift to be utterly enjoyed. And do you know that he'll withhold, he, he will withhold nothing ultimately. And as it's all said and done, he plans to withhold nothing. For your blessing. In fact, he already says there are no spiritual blessing is withhold even right now as you sit there today. It's competing reality, it's competing things that make it hard to follow, that make us walk away sad instead of follow. Okay, as we go to the Lord's Supper, actually I can't help it, I have one more thing. Go to Matthew 12, don't laugh at me. <laughs> this, is, um, this is the continuation of the same story. You know, he speaks those words, he says, my yoke is easy. And then we have an actual example of him making people's lives easy. No, that's not a coincidence. That's the order of the narrative. Notice those things when you study. Look, Matthew 12 says, this This is just immediately next. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath <clears throat> and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain to eat. So d- ordinarily, the, this is a violation of the law, right? You'd have to have an incredibly different interpretation of the law as a rabbi in their time To be doing that with your disciples. And he goes in verse 2 And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? Here's a new interpretation for you. (laughs) <laughs> and he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place, there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. What's that? What's that? I desire relationship, not checkboxes. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Oh, I got to do this. um, You... You would not have condemned the guiltless, and what just what just struck me is we do that to ourselves all the time. Do you know that you're guiltless? In fact, if if you're not guiltless, you have no access to God. He's holy. <laughs> we sang about it this morning, and yet and yet we are very good at. Condemning the guiltless. It's true that we probably do it to others too. If you're doing it to yourself, then you're probably doing it to others. You stand completely washed in the blood of Christ. In fact, um, I'm completely blowing the game plan here, but this is what we're to do um, as we go to the Lord's table this morning. We're going to ask for a miracle. We're going to ask that the Lord is going to set us free from condemning the guiltless. You. You no longer get to condemn yourself because you're covered in the blood of Christ. Whatever it is that you're holding against yourself as we go to the Lord's table today is going to be let go. It's going to be set free in the blood of Christ. You don't get to condemn yourself over it anymore. You, you have a chance to follow here. You have an invitation to follow Jesus. I'm going to tell you that the, um, the hardest thing in the world is to forgive yourself. How many of you know it's hard to forgive others? Yeah, it's it's a lot harder. That's easy. <laughs> it's harder to forgive yourself. And I, I just believe... I'm, I'm going to pray over this time in just a moment. And I believe that... Um, that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal some things right now. I believe he wants to bring up something that many of you, you don't even realize it, and you're still holding it against yourself. You just haven't been able to, I'm going to put it out there, you haven't been able to follow Jesus in that spot, in that place. That calamity that happened to you or that thing that you've done, Um, That shame that you carry, that guilt, you're no longer going to get to condemn the guiltless. Are we in on this, church? We want this freedom. We want this freedom. He says, um, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In other words, he's for you. (laughs) He's for you. And when he made the Sabbath, it was for you. Do you get that? I'm just going to pray a blessing. And um, and then I'm going to leave you to this. You can partake whenever you're ready. And they're, they're going to play up here. We're going to have an atmosphere of worship as we do this. But I just believe um, this kind of blindsided me. I just believe that the Lord wants to release um, what we were just talking about. He wants to release um, you from having any condemnation, guilt, shame that is hindering your ability to follow. Do you know, um, listen church, sometimes we hang on to things. Even nasty things. We hang on to guilt or shame because somehow it serves us. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need the Holy Spirit to reveal this. Hanging on to stuff can serve a role that is not of God, can serve as, as a hindrance to following him, but somehow it serves us to hang on to that. Give me a nod if you all understand what I'm saying. As, as you take this time with him, I want you to seek deeply with him as he exposes what you hold against yourself. I want you to ask him why. Ask him for his insight. He is the only one that can look all the way down into you. He knows you. He loves you that much. He can look in and and help you understand why you're holding on to that. This is an opportunity to follow him this morning by letting him have it. You had to let him have it. In the name of Jesus, we pray a blessing over this meal. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for doing everything necessary that we'd be washed. We thank you for the covering of blood that releases us from all guilt and the broken body that releases us from the consequences of sin and we ask you for that miracle Lord we are asking a blessing that there's actual grace that, you're, that you Holy Spirit would come and touch hearts and that you would lead us to why we hold things against ourselves. and we ask that you would release in the authority of the name of Jesus we're asking for release of hindrances this morning to just following without any other priority to follow you wherever you take us. In the name of Jesus, amen.